have a passion, hobby or expertise and want to share it with the world, why not do a podcast? The PodStation offers a wide range of packages to make this a reality, ranging from training and support for those who have no idea where to begin, to podcasters who just need somewhere to host their show. With prices starting at a mere £15 per month, you can now get involved in one of the fastest growing entertainment forms in the world without all the headaches. To find out more, visit thepodstation.co.uk forward slash station dash packages. And remember, those with passion, podcast. You're listening to The Business Spotlight, exclusively on The Pod Station. episode of the Podstation's Business Spotlight. My name is Mark Latham and I'm the co-owner of the Podstation. If this is the first time you've heard this show, then it would probably make sense for me to explain what the show does. The idea is we take a business and an expert in a particular field, we interview them so they can provide information on what they do, why it's useful in society, and to provide you some tips to make your life a little bit better within the business area specifically. If you want to follow the show, you can subscribe on all major podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, or... If you go onto the podstation.co.uk, find the Business Spotlight tab, you'll find all of the links for those platforms. However, if you want to give the Podstation a follow, we're on all major platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can also listen to the show in full on YouTube with audio only. So, without further ado, let me introduce our guest for today. I am joined by Chris Kelly from Campfire IT. Hello, Chris. Hello, Mark. How are you doing? Not too bad. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Glad to be here. Good. You excited? Obviously. I think it's probably wise to begin. I mean, the company's called Campfire IT. There's probably a bit of a clue in the title. Yeah, the idea behind the name for Campfire IT was because I like to work collaboratively and who doesn't love sitting around a campfire with a barbecue and a beer? I thought, why not call it Campfire IT so I could sit around a campfire having a beer with some friends talking about any other IT problems. That's where the name came from. Okay. Now, just for context, we're recording this show on the 12th of May, 2021. It may be of interest to note that we are currently moving out of the many, many lockdowns that we've had since COVID hit. So just to give you a bit more, put it in context of where we're up to now. So before we get into it, I suppose the first question is, how have you found that COVID has affected your business? It hasn't. It hasn't affected my business. So on the one hand, obviously a lot of people have been more reluctant to have visitors to their office to look at their IT equipment. So taking on new clients that are looking to change IT providers has been lessened. There have been a lot fewer inquiries in that respect. But in other ways, it's actually increased my business because more and more people are looking for remote support while they're working from home. It's been really good in that respect. And it also means that if people are after remote support, obviously I can help them with a great many other things as well once we come out of lockdown, which is a brilliant position to be in. Absolutely. I mean, I think what we'll do a bit later on, if that's okay with you, is develop that a little bit. Because I think one of the questions I had was how you've managed to adapt and evolve, so essentially, in yep. in what we've been presented with as COVID and how you've adapted to that situation. But what would be more, in, I suppose, slightly interesting to listeners, particularly in your industry, how did you get into IT? What's your provenance in this industry? Right. Okay. So I kind of fell into it, I suppose, is the the best way to put it. I was a clerk in the Air Force 
for six years. While I was there, I ended up helping a lot of people that worked in their nearby offices with their IT problems. Started off with things like, I don't know how to make Word do what I want it to do, and then kind of evolved into, my computer's not working, can you have a look? And it got to the point where I was the first port to call for people before they called the techies in because the the techies didn't work in the same office space. They'd have to put a request in, they'd have to then come out. So they'd come and ask me instead. And then when I left the forces in 2005, my landlord at the time was a senior lecturer at John Moores who just so happens to be a database lecturer. So he said, well, why don't you come and do my degree in multimedia systems while you're job hunting? So I thought, do you know what? That, that's not a bad idea. I quite like computers. So went to do that degree, started doing it full time and then ended up doing that part time while working in a number of different jobs, one of which was trainee network engineer working in Macclesfield. When I graduated in 2010, my landlord stroke lecturer said he was starting a company. If I got a 2-1, he'd have a job for me. He needed a web developer. So the rest, as they say, is history. And I've had a number of different positions working in IT and web ever since. Wow. Okay. Seen the forces, eh? Yeah. yeah. Thank you for your service. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they all say, isn't it? I don't know how insin I don't know how I was gonna say how insincere that is. I would say it's very insincere, but it was meant to be sincere. So I say it with the most utmost respect in the most sincere way I can manage. Thank you for your service. Thank you very much. Cheers, Mike. So I would probably want to at this particular point move on to how you've adapted. I mean, one of the things that was the reason we wanted to do the business spotlight is to try and capitalize on how businesses have managed to adapt whilst in lockdown presented with COVID, what particular business services and products have been affected by COVID. Mm-hmm. Yours, I would say, is one that's a bit ad hoc in so much as people only need you when the computer breaks. Would that be a fair yeah, assumption? I'd say that is a very fair assumption. I mean, most of the time, the reason that I start to speak to a new client is for exactly that reason. So someone will phone me and say, my laptop won't turn on, or I've got permanent spinning wheel when I'm trying to access something. I've got to write this document this afternoon. Can you help? That's normally the, the first conversation I'll have with somebody. So yeah, that, that there's been a lot of that, strangely, over the last, certainly over the last 12 months, which has been good to have those conversations. And you mentioned earlier that you do remote work. Yeah. So my original grand idea for the business was to be a one-stop shop. So we'd be able to provide IT support and web design and development. But through COVID, and as you, you asked, you know, how I adapted over the last 12 months, one of the ways I've adapted is the majority of people that were getting in touch for IT-related issues. And because the tech being what it is these days, it's infinitely easier to remote onto somebody's computer look at the problem that they've got and help remotely rather than having to physically go out to an office. Obviously, if the PC's dead, then I would still need to physically see the laptop or or desktop computer to fix it. But if it's on and it's alive and I can uh, remote onto it, that's kind of what people have been uh, asking for over the last 12 months. Now, I've got a question for you in regards to the remoting with cybersecurity being probably, well, if you're Facebook, Mm -hmm and one of the big companies, security within technology and cybersecurity is paramount. Mm -hmm. How do you get around those who would feel a little bit worried about you remoting onto their computer? There are ways and means. So if there are people that are more 
apprehensive about that kind of thing. There are different mechanisms that you can put in place. So the, the standard remote access that I would set up for a client means that I can proactively monitor the device remotely. So without having to log into it, I can see whether they're running out of hard drive space, whether their antivirus is about to run out, all these kind of good things. But if somebody is more cybersecurity aware or apprehensive about somebody being able to have that facility, then there are other ways that I can remote onto the computer that they have to grant me access to be able to help so that there's no connection there and I can't see. So just to put people's minds at rest, I suppose, with the software that I usually use, I'm not permanently connected to their computer. All that happens is the software that runs on their machine periodically sends a message through to the software that I use to say, at this point in time, these are the statistics. So the hard drive is 50% full. You're using this amount of memory. The CPU's running at this load. So it's it's not like I'm permanently connected. I would only ever obviously access somebody's computer when they call or if I phone them to say, you know, you've got an issue I need to have a look at for you. Okay. I mean, I think that probably sets some people's minds at ease because there's the last thing you want is when you've got a lot of these people who are sending viruses via emails or the typical sort of email you get of the Saudi prince or the Nigerian king wanting yep. you to send $16,000 <laughs> and there's multi-millions of pounds available to you. A lot of people still get yeah. caught up in those, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. And they're getting more sophisticated as well, those sorts of emails and phishing emails. Right. I would say most people within business would be familiar, but you still find, don't you, in companies sometimes that they inadvertently click a button. Mm. I mean, the NHS had the ransomware yep. most recently. I imagine you still have people who have pressed buttons they shouldn't have. Absolutely. I mean, the biggest security risk in any organization is the people in the organization. It's not the tech that's involved. It normally uses. And the reason for that is you'll often find with, you know, everyone being so security aware and changing the passwords every 30, 60, 90 days, whatever the company policy is, people can't remember that many passwords. So you tend to find if you walk around a large organization, they might have the password on a post-it note on the monitor. So you know, you can have the most secure password in the world, but if you've got it on a sticky note on your monitor, then it's not really going to be very secure. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Because it's the equivalent of leaving your front door key on the side of yeah. your house with a big arrow saying, let yourself in. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, burglars would probably do less damage if you had to your house. But I mean, the other question I would, that comes to mind would be, how many people still have password as password or admin? I've not come across that for quite a while, to be really honest. But I have come across a number of people that use the exact same password for absolutely everything, which, you know, I know why people do it. And it makes sense to do that. If Certainly if you're a certain age where remembering a million passwords is hard to do, I get that. But if somebody knows that one password, then they can access pretty much everything you've got if that's the only password that you use. So yeah. the best way to get around that is to use a password manager like LastPass, Dashlane, any of those kinds of tools. Well, you read my mind there because I use LastPass. Now, just to make the listeners aware, they are not a sponsor of the show. We're not getting any monetary income from mentioning LastPass. Nope. There are others out there, as you yep. quite rightly mentioned. I personally use LastPass. It, it was suggested to be by the other Mark of the pod station. He uses it and uh, was singing its praises. And, and I use it for the reason that... You can have different passwords and you can keep them secure in a secure environment, but you still find those people either write the passwords, put them in the drawer, or keep them local. 
Now, what we tend to do on the show is we have a section, in fact, that allows you to give some tips and hints to businesses. But before we do that, is there anything that the listeners would be benefiting from here and services and products that you do? So, for example, you know, businesses that you're looking to maybe get in touch with or businesses that would benefit from your type of service? Yep. So certainly from a remote support perspective, the sorts of businesses that I'd be looking to speak to are smaller businesses that might not have their own internal IT department, solopreneurs, self-employed people that just need some remote support help. They don't have to have a massive network of computers. doesn't matter if you're a one-man band or you've got 50 people working for you, we can provide a solution that will help and it just gives you a bit of peace of mind. So we remotely monitor all of your devices. And even if that's just one, that's okay. So that we can make sure that it keeps ticking over. There's no errors there. And if there are, then we can manage the updates for Windows so that they happen out of hours. You don't need to worry about them. We take care of all of that. So that's kind of the one that is probably most prevalent at the minute, I would say. That's the one that people are going for. We obviously provide other packages where we will also do call-outs. So if you need us to come out and physically look at your computer, we can do that as well. just depends what you're looking for. They're kind of the main ones that people are going for. So like a retainer sort of thing? Yeah. it's you know It doesn't have to break the bank. It's The basic remote support is only £20 a month. So I'd probably spend that on a couple of bottles of wine, to be honest. Your big alky. <laughs> Possibly. Blue nun. <laughs> oh, bit of book fast. Always goes well. <laughs> now, the other, the other perennial question that needs to be asked is, most people are either Mac or PC. So I'm PC, Android, PS4, and others are either, you know, Xbox, yeah. iPhone, Apple. Do you do both platforms? I do do both platforms. So I, myself, am a Mac user, which is probably unique, I would say, for an IT guy. Most IT guys tend to use Windows PC, but I use a Mac. I have an Android phone, and I like Xbox. You've mixed it up there, haven't you? I have mixed it up a bit, yeah. Yeah. You'll have Apple users scream, and you'll be getting pitchforked. (laughs) People will have you cancelled. It's interesting, but yeah, I'm to your Xbox, aren't you? I am indeed. Ah, Yeah. Favourite game? It's got to be Gears of War or Call of Duty. Nice. Well, I have played Gears of War in the old days when I had a friend, because obviously it's two-player, <laughs> uh, or army of two. I think the the first few were uh, you could have solo campaigns, so you, you didn't need to have multiplayer. Uh, okay. Well, I only ever played it on his Xbox. Oh, okay. I never played it on mine. I'm more Assassin's Creed, yeah. Fallout, Saints Row, all of those franchised games. Yeah. Or more sandbox for me. Yeah. But we digress, although technically IT. It's still technically IT, yeah. Now, I mean, I suppose that nicely leads me on to another question I've just thought of is, do you repair consoles? I do not, I'm afraid. That's something I could do with finding out who could do that, but I personally do not. Okay. So let's move on then, because I think we've given the listener a good insight to why they should use you, what you offer your services and products, and the benefits of using you. I mean, I personally think it's one of those things where it's a valuable thing to have that people don't put a value on. Mm. You know, I mean, I only know from past experience when, for example, we got broken into that we lost a laptop that had a lot of things on it, like our accounts, in fact. And I know how long it took us to reinstate those accounts from paperwork and and trying to find, you know, all the different associated paperwork to go with them. But it's one of those things people tend to ignore Yes. At their peril. Before we move on to tips, maybe just one last point on why it's key to have an IT professional. It's one of the biggest reasons is because you don't know what you don't know. So there are a number of things that only become apparent 
when they happen. So things like, have you backed everything up? And the answer to that is usually no. So without a backup to restore everything from, should the worst happen, your hard drive dies or you get hacked or whatever else, as you just said, you know, it could take you days to either reconstitute the information that you've lost or to try and build it up again from scratch. So it always pays to have a backup so that you can quickly carry on. Absolutely. I think people don't give the time. They'll put it off till tomorrow and then tomorrow it's when your computer hard drive's crashed Mm -hmm. or something like that. So I think from personal experience, I have external hard drives all over the place for various jobs and clients' work simply because I have been caught out. Yeah. So, I mean, if nothing else, I would say one of the things is backup. Yeah. All the time. I used to be one of the people, in fact, I still to a certain extent, you know, forget to do it. Mm. And then the last time I thought about doing it, in fact, was when we were about to lock down for COVID mm. because I thought the last thing I want is to get broken into again and lose all my work. Yeah. So the idea is to get into a discipline, isn't it, to back that up. Yeah. So before we kind of round things up, what we like to do is give the listener some helpful tips and hints that maybe beneficial to them in their lives or particularly as we're a business spotlight within their business environment so maybe just reel off a few tips and tricks that you could suggest to people to make their lives a little bit easier okay so the first tip as we've just discussed is always make sure you've got a backup because it will pay dividends in the future doesn't have to be the most all singing all dancing even if you just use something like OneDrive or Dropbox to sync the main storage locations on your Windows PC or Mac for that matter so that you've got your desktop, your documents folder and your pictures all backed up to the cloud. So if something did happen, at least that way you can restore or can access those files remotely on another device immediately somewhere else. So that's the first tip. The next one would be if you're looking to buy a new device, so if it's a new laptop or desktop PC, if it's running Windows, make sure that it, or even if it's a Mac for that matter, make sure it's got at least eight gig of RAM which is the the memory. So the more memory you have in a computer, the faster it can process things. Go for the best processor you can afford to buy, which depends on what device you're on. Because if you look at all of the things that you see on some of the computer sites, that say a number of different things and they throw loads of facts and figures at you and it's a bit dizzying. But the way to look at it is, if you look at the processors, the number of cores that the processor has, that's how many tasks that processor can do Concurrently, if you have a a quad core processor, it can run four things at the same time. Or if you have obviously six or eight cores, you can run six things at any one time. It just means that it gives you that flexibility. But it's CPU or processor and RAM are the things that you most want to look at. Storage, less so these days because everyone uses online storage. So you can basically have a smaller hard drive on your computer as long as you back everything up to the cloud and you can tell your computer to not keep things on your device unless you access them frequently. So that would be another tip. Windows will tell you that you only need a lot less than 8 gig of RAM for you to run Windows. But if you do anything more than checking your emails, 8 gig is the preferred option simply because it's not going to slow down as fast as if you've only got 4 gig. So there we go. Wow. Well, listeners, there's a few tips there to help your life be life hacks, I believe they call them, (laughs) or not. So thank you for that. We've set the stall now. We've got your window set of what you do, how you can help people. You've given them some tips to make their lives easier. The most important thing is how can people get hold of you? So there's a number of ways you can get hold of me. If you go to the website at www.campfireitandigital.co.uk, you can find me on LinkedIn or you can email me at hello at campfireit.co.uk. 
amazing. Well, listeners, you've heard it here first. We've got Chris Kelly from Comfire IT who can provide you with a wide range of services to make your lives within the IT business world far easier. If you're interested, get in touch with him. I'm sure he'll be delighted to hear from you. Thank you, Chris, for joining us on this episode of Business Spotlight. You are very welcome. It was lovely to sit here and have a good chat with you. It's always, always a, pleasure. a pleasure, never a chore. <laughs> And listeners, if you've enjoyed the show, why not take a look at the other shows available? If not, we'll see you next time. Take care. If you'd like to submit your business to be on the show, simply email spotlight at thepodstation.co.uk or message us on social media at The Podstation on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter.